in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's, ep- this week's episode of the Top 10 Show. I am John Roca. Uh, I am Matt Nost, and uh, we are here to do a little February-themed uh, show for you guys today. Wow. Uh, looking forward to it. There's a tremendous number of movies. I was actually kind of surprised. Um, yeah. Because February tends to be somewhat of a graveyard. Not as bad as January and September. Right. Uh but it's also heated up kind of in the past five, six years where more, you know, more good movies are being put out mm-hmm. knowing that they don't have as stiff a competition in February. So it's a it's a fun list. There's a lot of like varied and interesting choices. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could have made uh, a two and a half more lists uh, of the movies that came out in February. There were a number of them were in contention or at least good enough to be considered for sure. And I was surprised. I mean, people like, as Matt said, people think of January and February as these dumping grounds. And, uh, you know, certainly as Matt said, again, it's, it's changed over the last few years. We've had, you know, superhero movies kind of blow the doors off like Black Panther, Deadpool, others come out around February and that kind of opened the door more for the possibility. But that's Mm -hmm. kind of a, that's kind of a deceiving thing because uh, of how many movies that are damn good, that have come out in February. And if we have enough time at the end of the show, maybe an honorable mentions uh, thing between the both of us would be a lot of fun to kind of just talk about the other films that were in contention, but there was a lot. Yeah. And so you're absolutely right about that, man. I was surprised going in because when it started, I had like three or four and then it was a little bit of a wasteland. And then all of a sudden all these came rolling through and I was like, wow, there's so many. Yeah. There's, there's, so, I mean, we started the year 2000 and then moved forward. So 20 yeah. years of February to go through. So it's a decent amount, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it was like, at first, the first four ish years, yeah. five years, I was like, ah, there's a couple in there. We're, we're, you know, yeah. It looked like it was going to be a list of, you know <laughs> what? I like that movie and we never talk about it. Right, right. We're humming um, along, humming along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it, I mean, it drops off to where I'm writing down, going, this is looking a little thin. I knew that it picked up the last few years because yeah. I knew I'd seen some good ones in February, but last five, six, just like, that's a good one. This is a good movie. This is a good, I agree. I've got, uh, I highlighted on my side list. I think I bolded uh, fifteen or sixteen choices, yeah, and then yeah. narrowed it down to ten from there. So, like, if you have one of those six, I agree that yeah. I did put on. Just like that's a good movie. I, I, I just chose this one for whatever reason. But there's a, I mean, surprisingly, there's a it's yeah. a wide array too. Yeah, yeah. I kind of did, enjoy it. Did you go with the uh, ones we hadn't talked about that much, or did you go with your authentic like? No, I went with my real deal, okay. just because the. <clears throat> The list itself is so varied. Yes, agreed, agreed. There are movies that we have talked about, you know, a decent amount on yeah. here, but there's yeah. also some other ones where, we're like, you know, we haven't, and right. uh, I genuinely would put that in my top ten. Yeah, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I got this. So, yeah, maybe we'll do a if we have time a little honorable mentions thing at the end, real quick. It'd be kind of fun because there was a lot uh, to choose from here, which is well, a lot sure. Of fun. How about yeah, instead but, of uh, doing our normal like ten minutes of kibitzing here, we just do it at the end with the honorable mention? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, we'll do that. All right, yeah. 
let's jump into it. How does the how's the show work, Matt? Once we set a topic, we go our individual ways and create personal top ten. Let's show back up here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top ten list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. All right. Uh, let's do this. Yeah. So bottom of the list. Yeah. You could, I think the bottom three, it's like if I if you wanted to tell me any of the other six that I bolded mm-hmm. should make it in, I, I'll agree with you. Yeah. Like they're all there's a lot of good choices. So ten, I might you might be saying the words punt, but I put Black Panther. Uh yeah, a punt. Certainly okay. a punt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I assume too much. Yeah. Uh um, no worse. What about nine? Nine? I've got annihilation. Oh yeah, that just narrowly missed my cut. I I went back and forth about it in the end, but I, there's just something about the ending that was a bit dissatisfying for me that kind of kept it off the list. But dude, please, it's a fucking great movie, man. Or damn good movie at least. Yeah. I I think it ultimately made my list because unlike everyone basically every other one on here, yeah, the whole time you're sitting there going what the hell is going on? Yeah, right. <laughs> but enraptured by that, not yeah. disgusted of like, uh, what is this? This is just weird for the sake of weird. Right. And this person's turning into like a tree shrub thing that's hyper colored. And right. then this amorphous blob and they're dying. But the compounding questions is sometimes frustrating. And, and this one, it made for an engaging journey throughout for me where I know I'm going to go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Uh, again, eventually may see if I can make heads or tails of what exactly is going on at various times in this movie. And I like that about it, that I didn't have all the answers. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I enjoy that about a movie sometimes. It's, it, you know, a lot of times it is. It's frustrating as shit. And you're like, mm-hmm. that didn't make any sense. And I'm always looking for some form of logic. Right. Um, but the, this one is meant to confound. Mm-hmm. And it does it so well and so beautifully that I'm fine with that consternation, that that feeling that it imparts yeah. uh, to me. Uh, to, yeah, I like it. Do I think it's, you know, his top tier work? No. Right. But I still think it's really good and it's engaging and interesting. I agree with you. I think it's an intriguing film um, for so many reasons. And I think, like you said, like with, with Tenet, you're like, oh, okay. You're, I think you're just showing off a little bit. Whereas Annihilation, that's a little more of like, I'm interested. I'm yeah. I'm confused, like you said. I'm confounded, but I'm curious, and I'm you're, you've got me on the hook mm-hmm. to find out what's happening here. Uh, and when, what happens at the end happens, you know, you're just like, what? Wait, what? Uh, okay. And then yeah. if you watch it again, you can kind of revisit it through that prism and kind of enjoy the film all over again, really, uh, through that as well. So yeah, that's my hope. Yeah. I, I think it's it's just weird enough where I will revisit it. That's why I made it on the list. It's like I know yeah. I'm going to watch it again. Yeah, yeah. Whereas there are others, there's one in particular that I watched specifically for the show. It's excellent. I hope it makes your list. Oh, I just okay. don't think I'll ever watch it again. <laughs> fair, fair. I've seen it. So I know <laughs> the hook. Right, right, right. I uh, got one of those on my list, but maybe in my honorable mentions, we'll see. Okay. Uh, but great choice, man. Yeah. Natalie Portman, um, you know, the actor who plays uh, Wong in, uh, in the, in the in yeah, Avengers. Oscar Isaac, yeah, Oscar uh, Isaac, Emma Thompson. Or not Emma Thompson. Tessa, uh, Thompson, yeah, Tessa, Tessa Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I think that's those are all the ones I could picture yeah. off the top of my head. Alex Garland directed this one, and it's like that that the uh, the shimmer, yeah, the shimmer. But it fits. Yeah, it totally fits. And this oh, weird yeah. bubbly type, of, and things are morphing within it, and 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a whole bunch of questions, and I don't necessarily <laughs> need the answers. She likes to do these roles, though, doesn't she, Natalie? Because like that, that was it, the astronaut farmer or whatever it was, where she like she went into space, and mm. there's all those there's these films where her like her significant other or whatever like slides into some kind of other thing, you know, mm. other realm and stuff, and she's left wondering. Even Jackie, to a degree, I mean, the fact that John Kennedy dies and she has to kind of carry on as Jackie, like, what is that all about? You know, so it's interesting the roles that she chooses and the emotions she chooses to explore in the roles that she does. So, um, yeah, Annihilation being one of them. All right, what's your eight, man? Uh, my eight is Black Forty Seven. Oh, what is that? Talk well, I, I brought it up to you. I, I don't. Um, oh, oh, is this the Irish, Irish one? Is yeah, this yeah, the yeah. Irish one? yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, it's British imperialism over. Irish society and this guy comes back from having served mm -hmm. uh, for the empire and you know local government is inflicting its will it's evicted his mom right. uh, and uh, you know she is uh, now deceased and he decides to take vengeance Oof. and it's really good so that dude I don't know who it is Hugo Weaving has a large part and Jim Broadbent yeah. has a small part and Broadbent is playing a villain. Okay. Which okay. is kind of atypical for him. Right. 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 Uh yeah, and it's just about colonialism slash imperialism inflicting its will over a more destitute people. There's a great scene later on where they're taking the grain from their area and shipping mm -hmm. it out. I believe it's during the potato famine. And the people are like at the gates of Jim Broadbent's aristocratic compound that's wow. where the grain is that's being shipped out and they yeah. want food and whatnot and just the disparity between the two worlds huh. plus it's just a great revenge film yeah and the okay. ending's got a nice question as to what exactly happens <laughs> i like an irish revenge film man you talk me into that, that yeah it's, it's good evening's yeah. good i don't know okay. if i know the dude there's there's two young actors who are okay. great in it both one plays the Irish guy, and then the other one plays a British, a young British officer. I, uh, I want to feel. I want to say I've seen the British officer somewhere else. Okay. Um, yeah, James. Oh, is Stephen Ray. Stephen Ray's in this. Uh, uh, the guy from Crying Game. The Crying Game. He's, oh, he is. Yeah, he plays yeah. Uh, a guy that acts as uh, their local guide on some level okay. to Hugo Weaving and the young British officer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've seen this guy in anything, but interesting resume for sure. Uh, yeah, the lead James, I've ever. Yeah, James Fretcheville or something like that. Yeah. And then it's a blonde kid. I don't know if he's blonde full time, but he, he looks like he might be for the British young British officer. And he was good, too. Yeah. They're both as young actors. They carry weight in their scenes. Oh, yeah. Uh, he is. Uh, he is the son of Edward Fox. You know, the actor, the old school actor he was in. Never, he played M in Never Say Never Again. Okay, uh, yeah, sure. that's his, and he's in Taboo as well. The old dude in Taboo. Um, so yeah, that's it, Edward. That's his, uh, so and he's the nephew of James Fox, remember in um, uh, Sexy Beast, the old British guy oh. that like has sex with what's his face, uh, sure. yeah, in the showers. So yeah, he's the son of of of, of one of the brothers, Edward Fox. What have I seen him in? I don't know if I've seen him in anything. Oh, he's in the crown. Okay, he plays oh, he plays the idiot son in the current season. That was him. Oh. Mark Thatcher, Thatcher's son. He there plays you go. that guy. Yep. All right. Totally Ooh. does. Didn't even put two and two together on that. All right. I'll watch it. 
I'll absolutely watch it, man. I mean, an Irish revenge film, that's just right up my alley. Dude. I could put that on a Saturday afternoon just have a good time. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, um, you know, William Wallace dealing with, it's not that epic, <laughs> but it's just like he's wronged and he's like, really? Fine. And just takes out his revenge. It's, you know, it's good. It's good stuff. The guy's an Australian actor doing a Irish accent. So interesting. All right. Although I, th- I think he's Australian. Oh, he is the, the lead oh, dude. I, yeah, or, the I think main guy. Like Hugo Weaving. No, he's doing an Irish. Okay, yeah. Hugo Weaving, I think, might just be part of the you know because they Australia is part of the Crown, so he right. might just. I believe he is an Australian in it. Okay. No, I'm saying the main the main yeah, actor. The main guy. He's Australian. Yeah, I got you. He's from Melbourne, so, but he's yeah. playing an Irish guy. Yeah, yeah, an Irish Ranger who's been fighting for the British Army abroad as he been. And he comes home team. and oh wow. He's like, you know, it's one of those of, I, I've been out fighting your wars. This is what yeah. you're fucking going to do? It's almost like a, what, um, Last Mohicans, right? When they try to stop the uh, American uh, militia from going back to their families to check in on him after mm-hmm. they've signed up to fight for the British crown. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. All right. Cool. I like it. Yeah. The way um, they, they get treated almost seems like, you know, uh, uh, black soldiers coming back from like World War II and then get Like, have you seen Mudbound? Yeah. He lives in fear of. Yeah. Just like it's that type of shit where you come back and like nothing's changed. Right. Uh, wow. <laughs> this is insane. That's good. The guy yeah. who d- directed this was the kid with the harmonica and the commitments. <laughs> yeah, that's wow. Cool. That's crazy. That is crazy. James. What else has he done? Lance Daly is his name. He's directed other films. <clears throat> Life's a breeze. The Good Doctor kisses the Halo effect and last days in Dublin, Dublin. And he did. He was in Dead Meat, which I think is the Vinnie Jones one where he's on the train. Oh no, that's a different one, I guess. No, I don't know that one. But yeah, so that's yeah, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> All right, weird little world. That's the last film he's done though. Black Forty Seven, two thousand eighteen. Last film. Yeah, I mean it was just a couple of years ago, so it's not yeah. like it's a huge uh, expanse of time. It's true. True. Good point. Um, all right. So that was your eight, right? Yep. What do you got at 10? My 10 is fighting with my family. I haven't seen it. I've only heard good things. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is such a damn good movie. And we were just doing Geek Buddies the other day. And Vogel talked about how he resisted seeing the movie. because He's like, I'm not a pro wrestling person. This isn't my thing. And then watched it on a plane. And he absolutely loved it. You know, and you've got Florence Pugh. Uh, in this, Vince Vaughn is great in this. Uh, Mark Addy, a number of p- other people, uh, Lena Headey in this as well. So just great, great stuff all around. Um, and it is just a damn well, uh, damn well uh, made movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I was really surprised. Stephen Merchant uh, directs this thing. Uh, he's in it, of course, for a small part. But like, it's incredible to see how they were able to take the real life journey of this of this wrestler Page and turn it into a, a story. And the story is so accessible. It's an underdog story. It's a sports story. It's also a family story because uh, they take her over the brother, and the brother is really who wanted to be more of a wanted to be a professional wrestler more than the sister. But it's the sister who has these intangibles that you just can't teach, you know. And they just she has that it factor, um, and what it turns into, and it is damn good movie, man. And it was it worked hard to be on the list, man. I kept going back to it, going, does it is it really a top ten? contender and then at the end i was like how can i not put it on the list okay there it is yeah number 10 yeah i've heard nothing but good things and that assessment of you don't need to be a wrestling fan to enjoy this it's a sports movie it is a sports movie yes it's yes it's pre you know talked about uh, results 
but the overall uh, journey of the film is a sports story. Yeah. Yeah. Underdog striving to reach, you know, pinnacle heights. Yeah. Exactly. All kinds of different story types against all odds. Yeah. Um, okay. So then my number nine is, uh, and this was tough. I, I had to put it on the list, but you know, I might be a talked out of this one. I don't know as a Kingsman, the secret service. Uh, you know what? That's a, that's a ever so slight oh, punt. All right. So you put it on. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Then my number eight is Constantine. Uh, that also is a punt. Ooh, fascinating. All right. Let's go to your seven. Seven, seven is Kingsman. Okay, cool. Cool. I thought we'd have something in between. Hence telling you it's a slight punt. Yeah, no worries. Um, really thought that uh, it would be a fight to get it on. Yeah, because there are, there are, when we get to the um, honorable mentions, I could have made some cases for these films too, because I don't know how many times I've put on Kingsman, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, and I don't know if it holds up the way it used to, because that sequel was just not as good oh. as I was, as I was hoping. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But what you said. <laughs> it was. It was trash. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. The, but the scene in the church yeah, is so undeniably amazing. There's just like, dude, for all the movies that I cut off, do you have a scene that's that good? That is that genuinely after we've seen a million action movies yeah. and comic book movies and superhero movies. Yeah, maybe not. But there's a, there's a documentary that I kept off this list that I, uh, I think in the long run, I would and maybe on another day and another time I would have put on the list. Over okay. Well, I want to hear what that but, is because I don't recall having seen any docs that I would have yeah. put on, but maybe I just missed it. Yeah. I yeah. just went through what was released in the U S in February. Yeah. Me too. Every year. Um, um, when we did, I think best of the nineties, somehow I missed 1999 and you had two movies that made my list right. ultimately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah but it's, it's good. Yeah. Go ahead, just, just, I mean, that there are other parts that are, you know, cartoonish and over the top. Mm. And I, I hate the, uh, the anal line yeah. at the yeah. end. I think it's, there's no need for it whatsoever. <laughs> are you talking to a guy that loves dark humor and crass? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to speak to what I do and do not like in that regard. I'm saying as someone who has existed in a world of hearing every dark, depressing joke uh, and every. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you put that pause there, man. You put that pause there. Hey, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Infer from that what you will. Yeah. I mean, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, no, it's true. But, it's uh, th th There are all those issues. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry, man. Yeah. But those aside, I, I think it's a great idea. And I was looking forward to the newest one yeah. that has since been delayed on its release. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just because I, you could easily do a prequel. Where do they come from? Like, right. and do the first iteration. I have zero problem with that. Or you could fast forward it in twenty years and see what the future of this is kind of like. Um, so I, it has so much potential. And, and Matt, they're supposed to be launching that as kind of a new extension of the series, not a one-off. So it would be another franchise that was set occurring in the same universe, just at a different time. So that's a fascinating approach to an overall franchise to have a separate franchise going on that will eventually connect back up to the first movie of the other section of your franchise. So it's it's a fascinating decision uh, if they pull it off and yeah. if people like this movie. You know? And I hope they do because the trailers look great. Yeah, the trailers looked very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I was intrigued even after not enjoying 
the last one in the slightest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was bad, man. Just they, like, why they are they singing the- Country Road? Like, yeah. Uh, so what, what is this stupid? Yeah. It was just so dumb. And they wasted a good Elton John cameo, man. They wasted a good Elton John cameo. They, yeah, they wasted a lot in that movie. Elton John was great. Um, so uh, yeah, disappointing. But the first one, because I went into it expecting it to be terrible. Yeah, I was like, this yeah. looks stupid. And the opening with uh, uh, Taron Egerton. Yeah, I was like, I don't know if I like this guy at all. He he really seemed to be playing that, you know, young ruffian so well. Yeah, I don't know what the the term for that type of young kid, young punk in in Britain is. I think that what you said is fine. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just I'm sure there's a the way they oh he's a such and such oh the slang yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever the slang term for him is yeah. but he's just a young punk yeah. And you got a bunch of young punk friends and they think that they're all adult badasses. And then they come into actual contact with the troop when Colin Firth kicks a bunch of guys asses with an umbrella and mm-hmm. it's believable. That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, now the umbrella has certain characteristics and properties. It doesn't make it <laughs> like Jackie Chan with an umbrella, yeah, right. but still it is still oh, just an umbrella. Awesome. That's an awesome situation. It is. He grabs the mug with the handle <laughs> of the umbrella, right. whips it in yeah, and smacks the dude and, and who would have thought Colin Firth, although after Liam Neeson, all things are possible. True. Very, very true. Actually, very true. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I was surprised that when you said, I wasn't sure if I was going to, was like, this, this was a no-brainer to me. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, just the Sam Jackson stuff for me at times gets a bit cheesy. Oh, so this, yeah, this over the top. Yeah, so it's like, like, oh, but in the end, I was like, no, there's a lot. And the church scene was one of those things that made me put it on the list because it has such a... Um, it was such a surprising scene to see in a film like this and done yeah. so well and effectively, you know, it was really good. Uh, all right. What's your six? My six is Coraline. Uh, okay. Yeah. I knew that was going to be on your list. Go ahead, man. Yeah. I assumed I'm going to have more animation than you were, than you were going to have. So that's fine. Uh, love. I love stop motion. This introduced me to Leica as I think it introduced everyone to Leica. Yeah. Uh, it's it's what I love in ostensibly what you know what is a children's movie, but it's not really children. It's like a young teenager, teenager, young teenager type of movie, mm-hmm. but it's dark. And a lot of movies that were geared towards us when we were younger were dark. Yeah, it's like a, it's part of the growing up. It's not as dark as the adult stuff, but you need to kind of transition to. The world's not, you know, all rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. Uh, there are downsides and actions have consequences and stuff like that. And it's this young girl that finds a, you know, special little gateway into a parallel kind of world. Mm-hmm. But it's a grass is greener type of situation. And she's not acknowledging the gifts and what she has around her. It becomes complacent. She's like, oh, it's the, my other mother, it seems like it's a better world because she allows me to do whatever I want. And there's more freedom here and et cetera. And that comes at a cost. And that cost is kind of a uh, sense of your identity and who you are and the loved ones around you. And uh, it's kind of a profound message mm. to put into a movie that is ostensibly, once again, made for, you know, 10 to 14 year olds. Yeah. Uh, but 
adults can enjoy it as well. Cause I, I was, you know, uh, an older individual when I saw it. Yeah. Um, so it still had the resonance for me, uh, but allowing that younger generation to access some of the thought processes and feelings that yeah. can be evoked, uh, I think is kind of important and interesting. And also because of this movie, I've had now several others that they've made that I'm a very big fan of as well. Yeah. yeah. That have gone on to enjoy. I like Paranorman a lot. Uh, I, yeah. I like Kubo and the two strings. Yep. Um, Missing link is beautiful. I think the story overall is like, this is okay. Box trolls is a dud. Yeah. But it also opened me up to, I went and saw pirates, which is, it's not, oh, been, yeah. that's, but I, I love that movie. I, yeah. I watch it like once a year now. <laughs> but I don't know if I would watch stop motion if it weren't for something like Coraline kind right. of reintroducing me to that, that style and, and whatnot. Totally. So yeah. it made my list and okay. uh, I got it at six. What do you got at seven? Um, I have uh, in Bruges at seven. Oh, that's a punt. Okay. That's a punt. Uh, then my six is miracle. That was a tough cut. Yeah. Tough wow. Cut. Yeah, I, I, do you love your country? What the hell, man? Uh, <laughs> I, it's it's a good sports movie. It's a good sports you. movie. How dare you? Uh, no, this one is incredible. This one's damn good. Um, and uh, you know, I think because it's based on real life events, people don't give it enough credibility. But it's very Hoosiers like. You take a veteran actor. You cast a bunch of unknown actors for the most part at the time mm -hmm. to play these young kids, these young teenagers who were going up against the mighty Russians and other teams uh, uh, in the uh, in the Olympics, in the Winter Olympics in Lake Placid in 1980. And the way they captured it, because there was a TV movie that was done about this where Carl Malden played Hood Brooks that I thought was good, too. But this one kind of went next level. And this isn't like The Rookie. Like The Rookie is a really good Disney film about sure. They said this is this one has a little more grit to it, a little more just a little more guts to it, and I and I appreciated that. And you see the process, and I think Kurt Russell is stellar, absolutely stellar as her Brooks in this movie, and all the young actors they they get to play, you know, Eruzioni, Jim Craig, all the name numerous uh, um, hockey players that were on that team. They all do a great job of the journey of getting to that moment, you know, and 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 then. And, succeeding at that moment and what it means so sure i think this is a superb sports movie and that's why i couldn't keep it off the list because it's just like i can't deny this one this was actually damn good so yeah i've never had much of a connection to the story just because that olympics that's happened fair. before i watched the i was you know i think two years old yeah i can understand that when it happened i've never really watched hockey all I knew about it was the the storyline and the "Do you believe in miracles?" Right, which is great. Al Michaels, it is you know pinnacle best. Yeah. Uh, so I like the movie. It just it's never connected to me, and you also know exactly where it's going. Which yep. there's nothing wrong with that. It, the payoff is excellent. Uh, but yeah, it was it was. I originally had it at number ten, and I cut it off. Yeah. So it was basically it's eleven on my list. It's not what? like it's. Yeah, it's part of that sixteen overall. It's like okay, here are the movies that I genuinely think should be on my list. Right. Um, so now we don't have to talk about an honorables. I, I figured it's going to be on your list, though. Well, yeah, you make an excellent point, though. It's like, yeah, I have a personal connection as I watched this with my dad. Yes, it was on tape delay. People forget that it wasn't live. It was on tape delay. But this isn't when you had the internet. You could know who had won. Nobody knew yeah. except the people. Didn't who matter. Were over there. 
there. Right. Didn't matter. Just being there and watching it on tape delay and getting lost in it was incredible. Incredible. I remember it was one of those early sports memories with my dad. Um, and so, yeah, just great stuff. And they capture it really, really well in this movie. And so, um, yeah, so there you go. That's why it's my number six. Um, all right. Uh, we're at your number five, right? Uh, yeah, which is a punt from you from not that long ago. Oh, okay. In Constantine. So that was your one. Oh, okay. Eight. All right. Yeah, it was my number eight. Yes. Um, I don't I know. It could be higher, Matt. I just, I put it where I put it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it happens. Yeah, go ahead. Um, we both have been clamoring yeah. for a sequel. It's, they announced it might be happening. What does that fucking mean? <laughs> no, Stormari came out on his Instagram a few weeks ago and said, We have a script, it's happening. Um, and Keanu and uh, the director came back for a, a thing at that Warner Brothers under the dome or DC, and they spoke about. The past that it's very much moving towards, but I don't know how you make that work. To be honest with you, you know. What do you mean in regards to it's been so many years? Yeah, it's been so many years, and the character's already been uh, around in the DC universe with that uh, that other British guy playing him. Or, or yeah, but cinematically, there's been nothing outside yeah, of true, true. The other Constantine. So as far as the average general public is concerned, yeah, he is technically Constantine. Although we're gonna get into a situation where. It's so far removed. How well do we think that this sequel is going to do? Yeah, true. Type of thing. It's like the new Crudes coming out. Dude, yeah. it's been so long. Does anybody, you know, who's yeah. the target for this? Although this at least is a comic book. So it has a larger built-in audience than, say, a Crudes follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just think a unique story. In the especially in the realm of comic books, mm-hmm. and one that is uh, wildly engaging, yeah. Uh, and to see like different perspectives of uh, guardian angels and how the old you know uh, uh, saying of one man's angels another man's demon, right. and seeing that really come to life of under the wrong motivations or differing motivations, what was once your savior could also be your demise, mm-hmm. and to see Gabriel just acted like Tilda Swinton was such a great choice. Oh, just so good. cold and calculating. And yet there's still a compassion within yeah. there and a lack of understanding as to why God would choose us to be the vessels of having a soul hmm. as opposed to the perfect beings of an angel. Uh, right. But you see all of that turmoil within. I mean, they did a great job of casting Stormari as the yeah, devil is pitch perfect. Oh he is. God. I mean, how many times can you say Gavin Rossdale was good <laughs> as an actor? Yeah, yeah. Constantine and yeah. just all the choices. Even I wonder if they bring Shia LaBeouf back because he was kind of the. Well, they killed him. So if they if they do bring him back, maybe he's from the spirit world, the spirit realm in some way. So it is possible. Uh, but Joe Hansu, right, Papa Doc, yeah. you'd have to bring him back. Is the guy uh, the purgatorial little? you know, party scene. Yeah. It's just somewhere they can go. There's, there's a lot to do here. Mm-hmm. Huge world to explore. Yeah. And then eventually if it does well, well, okay, we could do like the DC dark universe. Like yeah. they, did, they brought in Batman. Maybe Robert Pattinson's Batman joins Constantine on some weird type of like possible. It, yeah. It opens up interesting possibilities. Yeah. 
Zatanna, Dead Man. There's a lot to play with. That's for there sure. is Swamp so, Thing. Hopefully, fingers yeah. crossed. I mean, you never know. But yeah, I mean, that'd be great. Maybe Constantine is the leader of that crew, so maybe that's how you bring him back. You know, you don't you don't have the Batman element. He's kind of the pseudo Batman element. If you do a live action Justice League Dark uh, as a way of bringing this character back, that could be very interesting. I'd be down with that. I, I never it never bothered me that he never British accent. I never. I thought Keanu captured the spirit of the character, the spirit of John Constantine, who is hang dog. He is just done with life. He is exhausted for uh, uh, constantly between the uh, because of the battle of heaven and earth that he's in the middle of. It's a it's a constant existence of exhaustion, mm-hmm. uh, and so and he conveyed that so well, you know. And uh, Rachel Weisz is good in the movie. Um, everything about it just really enjoyed it. Um, and it's brutal when it needs to be brutal. Uh, and I appreciate that about the movie. And there's a lot of people, Matt, actually. I've been discovered I've discovered a lot of people who do like enjoy this movie. So it didn't do well at the box office initially, but it seems no. like a lot of people discovered it afterwards and actually like it and like Keanu in it. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, uh, if they kept the budget low enough, then it just sets the right expectation mm-hmm. level. True. True. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. Dude, Tilda's great in this movie, too, man. She is. The philosophical discussions they get into. Mm. Oh, more of that. Exactly. And when she realizes that she's in the wrong. Yeah. And the devil. I mean, when Stormori shows up and oh. he's there to claim the soul, the one soul that he wants. I mean, listen to the stakes that we're talking about. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. We're talking about heaven and hell and the physical manifestation of a fallen angel and the yeah. devil. And it's in. Just it works. It flat out works. The the dripping uh, black asphalt or tar or blood. Yeah, off, off of him. Feet. Oh man, such and a when he pulls nice. the cancer out, yeah, thereby damning him a little more. It's like, nope, you don't get to go to heaven just yet, fucko. And I and wonder like, if he does that because Constantine flicks him off. Like you're not going good at going into it? heaven, telling the devil yeah, to have you don't off. get what you want. You don't get what you want. So the devil. Yeah, I'm gonna bring you back. To, yeah. To screw up again, so then I got another shot at your soul. And what you can, you can end oh. up screwing this up again. Dude, when he's dragging him and he's the, the, the weight yeah. of him drags across the concrete because God's just tearing. Oh, it's tile, isn't it? Because they're oh, in that yeah, swimming pool. Yeah, and the tile's just chipping oh, as so he's dragging him. Oh, it's, it's such a great build to that entire full sequence. A thousand percent agree, man. Uh, all right, so that was your five. Well, speaking of <laughs> religion, uh, my five is the Passion of the Christ. Um, I, it's uh, one of the bolded, baby. It's one of the bolded. Oh, okay, okay. So, it's, so it's 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 uh, one of the honorable mentions. Is that what you said? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I I had to keep this on this list. Uh, I, I I think it's a film. I will defend it, uh, and I've had you know my friend Michael Vogel, who is Jewish. We've had conversations about the Steve Morris on Cinephiles is Jewish. We've had conversations about the movie. Uh, and it's been very fruitful conversations, uh, you know, interesting conversations, but it's a film that, and I get where people feel it's a little anti-Semitic. I don't read that into it, but I'm never going to uh, discount anybody who does see that in the movie. Mm-hmm. To me, it's a story about something that's very deep in my uh, belief, you know, with, with Christ and what he went through and, and what have you. And I don't talk about it that much, but it is something that I grew up with very strongly, very powerfully yeah. believing in and seeing it portrayed this way. Uh, was incredible because I think too many times, you know, uh, Matt, people uh, don't want to see the brutal reality of a situation on film or what have you. And I understand it, 
But I also think we cop out a little bit. And I think with this movie, Gibson does it. And yeah, people are like, oh, it's his torture porn. I, not, it's Christ. And you have to see the beating he took, at least according to the Bible, according to the, the stories that are told, mm-hmm. in exchange for saving the world and erasing uh, the sins of every, the original sin. Oh. And so you have to see what he endured. And Gibson pulls no punches in showing you that because his his faith is so deep. And yes, whatever he feels about Gibson, I totally respect that as well. But it's an incredibly well-directed movie. And interesting, it's an Aramaic. uh, And Jim Caviezel is stellar as Jesus. Um, And throughout the whole film, what he experiences, what he goes through, 12 Stations of the Cross, all of it works so, so well. Um, and I cry every time I watch the movie because the crucifixion just affects me in that way in a deep way that I don't understand, but it just does, you know? So I love the movie. Yeah, I I have not seen it since the theater. And it's oh, not, okay. It's not a knock on the movie. It's, uh, you know, I grew up Catholic going to Sunday school and I know the stations of the cross. I can still yep. visualize how they were set up in the church that I went to every week as a kid. Yeah. And then... Uh, Shit, I've judged every church that has a Stations of the Cross <laughs> since then and be like, does it match up to? I've seen a lot. I've, I've visited a lot of churches in my life. I totally respect that. <laughs> I have, man. I like it because I grew up with it. That to me is yeah. how you do it, just yep. because it's how you saw it as a kid. And that's what you're conditioned to. Uh, but I, the cat of nine tails, when it whips around and pulls <sighs> the, the flesh off of his ribs, mm. I, yes, you could call that torture porn, but I really think... You need to see it. You need to experience the visceral nature of what it is. Right. Because otherwise it's just, it's, it's pictures and relief carved into stone type of, and you don't get a sense of what he went through. Yeah. Purported to have gone through, but any of these individuals that got, uh, can, or got sentenced to crucifixion, crucifixion had to go through, how brutal a torture that is for any individual, regardless of what who they were. Right. Just a common thief or the worst person of, you know, uh all time. Like whoever went down for a crucifixion. I have no yeah. idea. Um, but I think that yeah, the torture porn aspect of it I always felt was hollow. Just, yeah, it seemed so. to me. Yeah. yeah, that people were just looking for ways to attack Mel on that one. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and it makes yeah, it's, so much money, man. Whew. It's tough to watch, but it, it it needs to be tough to watch. Exactly. It's like Schindler's List. There are moments in Schindler's List that are horrific to experience, devastating to watch. Or even go all the way back to Shoah. If people have seen Shoah, that uh, film about uh, the documentary about uh, what happened at the Holocaust, it's just like, whoa. It, but you have to experience it in order to have it affect you deeply. And so mm-hmm. I think for people of religious faith, he knew, Gibson knew, like, I'm going to show this as brutally as it actually is said to have occurred in the Bible and in the stories. And I know people will respect that of deep faith. And they did because so many people would see this movie. I think this movie would have made a billion dollars if it had come out nowadays because it made like 450 million or something like that. It could have made a billion if it had come out. Not nowadays, I was with COVID, but like before pre-COVID or in the last couple of years, I think it would have made a crap ton of money. So, yeah, unlike you know what limited I've seen of other religious movies, yeah, yeah, this one's not trying to talk about how their religion is persecuted, 
right. or society does not allow them the freedom that they believe they should have type of thing. Like I'm specifically thinking of stuff like God's not dead. Right. Right. Doesn't make a lick of sense. I got uh, dragooned into seeing that. I won't say who, but at least it wasn't Catherine. But right. I'm sure it wasn't. Yeah. It was, it was not. So I will say that. But upon walking out, the other, the, the person that basically asked, Hey, will you go see this with me? Yeah. was like, well, that was a load of shit. And I'm like, <laughs> God bless you, man. God, it was a load of shit. Yeah. It just, the movie didn't make any sense. Cause they were basically crying false persecution and stuff like yeah. that. And just like, you're making up these slings and arrows. Yep. Yep. Whereas in the passion of the Christ, it's like, yeah, the Roman church is fine with you until you try and take away any ounce of their power. Yeah. And then they're not finding this. Like Romans were uh, inviting of all religions by and large. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. They allowed the local people to continue to go on believing this was not a theocracy. This was, you know, uh, basically it's not a theocracy, but at the same time, if you're trying to get your people more rights or other things that kind of fly in the face of administratively what the Romans are trying to do, they're going to snuff that shit out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're still going to run into like, we're still in power. You can believe whatever you want. We still run the show. Right. And there's true, genuine persecution. Yeah. Uh, but they did that to, you know, other people's anyway, inflicted yeah. their will. But to see, I, I just, it was honest as honest as you could be about a story that's been handed down over the generations and whether or not, you know, it's to be true. Some people believe it's verbatim fact. That's exactly how it happened. And others yeah. are just like, it's a story. You take from it what you will. It's a parable almost. Yep. Um, but he tried to be, he tried to honor yeah. the heart of it. Great I, uh, yeah. It's, once again, it's on my side. I'm not going to fight you. It's a great yeah. movie. Yeah. All right. What's your four? Uh, my four is old school. Yeah. Okay. That's all you. Go ahead, man. Did I like the list at all. I, I love the movie, dude. Love the movie. But if we're talking top ten, I don't oh, put old school in top ten. I've for me, seen so. it so many times. Yeah, I totally respect so, it. so many times, yeah. and I will probably end up seeing it. Uh, if this was ten years ago, it would have been higher a there'd be less competition mm. uh but b it's just like i watched even more back then <laughs> i see it, i it's one of those the the faults at which some people point out they don't like as much or whatnot i don't really care because where it works for me it works so beautifully yeah all the little characters the idea of putting in a frat so you can just have these just boom explosions of somebody come in and kind of chew scenery because they really need to. Yeah. Um, and it's the genesis of middle-aged men struggling for, you know, some semblance of their youth has now escaped them from through three different shades of Vince Vaughn envious of, of uh, Luke Wilson being able to be out on his own. He's got his speaker company and his wife yeah. and kids, but he's not really happy. And Will Ferrell newly married, but it doesn't really look like that. You know, marriage is bedrock foundationally. Right. And then uh, Luke Wilson is just kind of a little bit lost and aimless, trying to find his way in the world. And yeah. I don't know. It's got the right blend of just a dash of heart and a lot of stupid, vulgar college humor. Yeah. And I think it's it's just got a, a great balance. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. I know. I, I'm, I'm not going to deny you putting it on your list, man. That, that is a funny-ass movie. You could argue it's 
I know it isn't a Judd Apatow movie, but you can make a case that it's the best best of the Judd Apatow style movies that came around mm-hmm. around those around those years. Uh, but it's I mean, you're right. It's Will. It's introducing Will Ferrell, who's about to ascend into these uh, yeah. into the stratosphere of comedy. Luke Wilson doing his thing. Eliza Cuthbert is, you know, that relationship could be deemed a little weird or inappropriate. Well, uh, Terry Quinn is in that. Yeah, but he didn't seek it out. No, he didn't. He didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know. she right, right. slept with him, and yeah, right. for all yeah. intents and purposes, yeah, yeah, he didn't. And know. He found out afterwards, and then it's like, oh, oh, shit! It's kind of like <laughs> you and McGregor in Train Spotting. Oh, right. He's like finding out the truth, and it's like the next day talking to her parents, like, oh, so you are flatmates, and they're like, that's a good one. And he finds out that she's underage, although I don't know what the law is there, but we clearly know what the law is here. That's true. But yeah, but like, uh, you know, overall, just very, very funny. And then, you know, Jeremy Piven being playing a great villain, which is ironic because, of course, he was essentially the uh, the Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn character in PCU. So to see him do the reverse here is great. Um, the You're my boy, Blue, where they're recruiting everybody. Um, you know, the, the, the guy who has his balls tied to the anchor or the cement block. All, I mean, all of it is just very, very funny. So, I mean, I, I can't deny that, dude. And the final ending where they're doing all those events to try to qualify, Jesus, it's brilliant in, in, in its humor, it that's for sure. But It's the Billy Madison, but I like the, the Olympics type of aspect of Billy Madison yeah. needs to pass all that jazz. But it's executed even better yeah. for me because each one kind of gets the shine in their own little way. I love Vince with the cigarette doing the rings. Yeah, cigarette in the rings, <laughs> holding it. Holding it. And he's just he's shaking. Um uh, just brilliant stuff. And that's a nerdy frat. It's not a you know, it's not a good looking, all good looking dudes frat. It's a nerdy frat. Yeah, they're, they're the misfit toys that couldn't make it in in any other frat. That's so a they point. Yeah, they start their own. And yeah. I, yeah, they have a history with Jeremy Piven. They used to bully him. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm no longer cheese, guys. Like you can tell the anger. It happens with my brother and I. Some like it doesn't happen anymore, but well into my 20s and 30s, there would be times where I'm like, I'm reacting like I'm eight again because he just knows how to push my buttons. Of course. Of course. He's just like, dang it. You're like, all right, Matt, just, just relax. Like, just relax. He's only getting what he wants right now, Uh, (laughs) which doesn't happen anymore. Let's work this out, man. Let's yeah. work this out. Oh, nobody, nobody for the longest time could yeah. push my buttons like my brother could. <laughs> he was the he was the hands down world champion at it. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, just you know, if you go back, because a lot of people say, "Oh, wedding crashers and old school." You know, some prefer wedding crashers, and I think wedding crashers had some really great moments. But I'll yeah. take old school every time over Wedding Crashers. I think old school is a tighter film than Wedding Crashers for sure, yeah. a thousand percent. And I just, I just watched Wedding again the other day, and the Will Ferrell stuff, as funny as it is, it is no business being in the movie. Yeah, uh, it's what extends the movie out longer than it needs to. Um, and the weird thing where he's hiding the relationship from Owen Wilson that makes no sense to me. So you know, it's just this, there's just some things in the back half of the movie that aren't the best, but the scene in the church is excellent. That's an excellent yeah, it, it's still got some great scenes in it, whereas yeah. old school to me is, uh, as far as a comedy goes, it's pretty flawless. Yeah, stellar throughout, no doubt, no doubt. All right, so then my number four is your is the punt from earlier is Black Panther. Um, sure, just revisiting it again for cinephiles and breaking it down with uh, Jay Washington and Winston A. Marshall was a hell of an experience, Matt, and it made me reappreciate the film on 
so many more levels than I had uh, kind of first seen, even the first two or three times I watched it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it has moved up in my estimation uh, because of that, because of the way Winston and and Jay spoke about it and how it affected him. And also the things they pointed out that I hadn't seen before uh, and some of the approaches uh, and the cultural approaches and the generational approaches that I hadn't really considered as I was watching it, you know, but I mean, it's the late great Chadwick Boseman who does a fantastic job in this movie. Yeah. Michael B. He Jordan does. is really good in this movie. Killmonger, you argue one of the best villains in the MCU ever. Um, you know, uh, 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 Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Guerrero, all fantastic. Angela Bassett and the story, you know, this idea of um, what's your responsibility to the outside world as Africans with this technology, why aren't they helping other black communities, other black civilizations in the world what are they afraid of are they being the you know i don't know the uh elitist elitist that they claim to be against are they being Mm -hmm. the elitist that they claim to be against and then within their own country of wakanda the battles within the multiple tribes about who should be leading all of that just when you explore it over and over again it is just uh it kind of moves up in my estimation which is why it's number four for me so there you go yeah i um, I watched it again during quarantine at some point. I can't remember. Mm. And I still like it. I just, the problems that I had with it is the same. I I'm over origin stories unless it's yeah. a crazy unique one. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, this was an origin story and I'd rather just jump right in with the character, but I kind of, I know why you have to do it. Yeah. I fully, fully get it. I'm just, right. unless it's something like Dr. Strange where it's like, you kind of need an origin story for the only character that can do magic. Right. Right. I'm kind of over origin stories yeah, uh at this point that's fair. um there's been so many uh different superhero movies that you thankfully if this was a while back and be like dude this is one of the best yeah because there's it's up against fewer stuff but now it's like there's a lot of of iterations and variations and you can kind of search out and hunt and peck true um so it made my list at 10. That That's, you know, I yeah. cut Miracle oh. for it. I was back and forth on those two. Absolutely understandable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. All right, so then what's your number? What are we at? Three? Your number three? Uh, my three is in Bruges, the punt from earlier. Oh, Miller. okay. All right, cool. Please. Uh, just, yeah. Just out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So it, it's what kind of started to slowly cement the fact that Colin Farrell's an excellent actor. Yeah. Because for the longest time, I thought he was, he's good, but he's also just has this raw charisma and sex appeal. And that's why he's getting these jobs. Yeah. That, that was my assumption. And right. I had he was living it. off his, uh, his good looks as opposed yeah. to his talent. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then now having seen him produce so much excellent work, just like yeah. not, it's un it's unfair that he's that handsome when he's this talented. It's like fuck you, man. <laughs> it is. It's like if you got a sense of humor and you're nice on top of all this, you yeah. can you can fuck right off. <laughs> yeah, like you need a flaw in there somewhere, something, man. Yeah, yeah. Although I've heard him in interview and just like his his early years in Hollywood, and he partied way too hard and stuff like that. Yeah, people forget, man. You know, it's always a journey. It's always a progress. It is. People are so consumed with um, the result now. They forget about like, well, it's all, you know, weren't you once young? Didn't you fuck up once when you exactly. were young? 
how would you handle it if you were in this position? You you're just never me, know. Yeah, you're telling me you're not going to be stupid if you're right. young, rich, famous, wildly attractive. Like yeah. you got everything going for you. You don't have to pay for meals when you go out because I'm sure the restaurant or whatever is more than happy to comp it because you're there right. to eat. And right. you go to restaurant bars. And or, you or a drink, Matt. You don't have to yeah. pay for a drink at all. Yeah, exactly. And then while you're drinking, somebody's like, hey, you want a little tootski? And you're like, mm, I like to party. And uh, <laughs> so the world is your buffet. Basically, yeah. Uh, but this was part of the the run of man, I really like Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this and uh, Seven Psychopaths. Yeah. And he just puts out work where now, like I, I watched The Lobster solely yeah. upon finding out about, oh, Colin Farrell's got, oh, this sounds interesting. If it was another actor, I don't know if my ears would have perked up as much. Right, right. But him and Rachel Weisz would be like, okay. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. And in Bruges, it's it's him and uh, Brendan Gleeson, Ray Fiennes, and I also liked uh, Gleeson a lot since uh, 28 Days Later is where I mm. first saw him, and I've always been a fan since then. Right. But it's like, oh, those two coupled up. I'm I'm intrigued and throwing Ray Fiennes, yeah. and it's there's some humor in it, but it's also really dark and depressing. But yeah. and, honestly, and weird. And weird. Yeah. 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 And honest about its depression. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it has some moments that you're just, um, I mean, there's no other word but shocking. There are just some moments that are like, you know, I don't want to give too much away because you want people to watch it if you haven't yeah. watched it, you know, but there are mo- that moment uh, uh, at the top of the church, that moment. Uh, because yeah. the fat Americans. Yes. That they'll never get up there. And they, oh, <laughs> it's, such a, it's a great moment of comedy. Yeah. But that moment where also where like he sees what he sees and is experiencing Clement's poesy is great in it as well. Who, of course, I kind of discounted because like, oh, she's in the Harry Potter films. No big deal. She did yeah. this right after the Harry Potter. Films. But then I saw her in the tunnel. And if you haven't seen the tunnel, if you haven't seen Clement's poesy in the tunnel, this is an incredible actress. You got to watch that series. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that to anybody who's, who's listening to us. It's on PBS now. It's an excellent series. And so she seeing her in this was interesting, too. So all around the journey he's on is almost like a fever dream that he is along for the ride of and other people are kind of in control of, but he's lost in the depression of what he's done. And he realizes, you know, what the end result might be. He doesn't want to fully accept it because he's young, Mm -hmm. but he realizes that there's a possibility here that his death is on the table and what that means. And then you've got this great kind of sexy beastie ish performance from Ray Fiennes, as the guy who's trying to make this all happen, it's just incredible. Oh. I mean, him on the phone with Brendan Gleeson, yeah, when he fucking loses it. Oh man, uh, you know, like why Bruges? And like, it's a fucking fairy tale land because he had some magical time there when he was a kid. It's and, so random. It's so random. And the rest of, I guess, that area is like it's fucking Bruges. Yeah, uh, I've never been, so I don't know what the reality is. Type of thing. Yeah, uh, but yeah. He's, <laughs> And it's against type because he usually plays that that posh, refined. Yes. Yeah, like M. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the scalpel as opposed to the hammer. Right. And in this, he's fully the hammer. He must have had so much fun doing this, man. Oh yeah, it's. He, I mean, he gets to choose scenery, and it just yeah. fits the character so perfectly. 
Right. Whereas usually he's a, you're right where he's a more of a restrained actor in this. Mm-hmm. He gets to like just hammer that shit to pieces. Yeah. He's prim and proper. And, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> like if, if this was more posh, he'd be more snake like yeah. as opposed to the badger. Right. Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. That was your three. Uh, that was my three. So then my three is, uh, the invisible man. That was the, I know the hook. I've seen it once. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It is really good. It is so good. I've seen it three times now, man. And really, it, yeah, it gets better every time I watch it, even though the first experience was excellent. The score is so fucking good. It's like watching Joker. When you watch Joker, yes, it's a good movie. It's the score that really puts you into the mood of the movie and the score with invisible man, same thing. Benjamin Wolfish does a fantastic job of the score. And from the opening shots of that water hitting that rock and the loud, oh, yeah, the, it's the very, title. yeah, the title it's very Hitchcockian. And then mm-hmm. you add in the, uh, the, the, the uh, sound and the music and the score. You're a thousand percent aboard for this ride. And Elizabeth Moss is great in it. Uh, and what she goes through, Aldous Hodge is damn good in it. Storm Reed's good in it. So throughout, you see what she's able to do and how this all twists around as it goes along. And I enjoy the hell out of it, especially because The Invisible Man is one of those films that like, yeah, I enjoyed as a kid and the, the black and white, whatever. But this one takes it to a whole new yeah. level. And it's a, this is I, I put this in my top 10 films of 2020. And I think Elizabeth should be nominated for Best Actress for what she did. You know, she's incredible in this movie. So. That's where the score, too. I don't I kept it off because it's like, I don't know if I'm going to watch it again because I know the hook of it. But mm. I don't want to talk about the movie right, that right, much, right. you know, type of thing. Uh, right. But I do how to say this without saying it. Mm. I do like the director's choices to focus on certain things sometimes. Good point. To, it adds to the overall feel of the movie. And it's such a, it is a Hitchcockian. It's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yep. But Hitchcockian. It's a simple, just lock the camera. And the fact that nothing is happening yeah. really makes it feel like everything and anything is happening. Yeah. Uh, and I like the explanation as to the invisibility. I thought that yeah. was a great choice. Yeah, that was a surprising yeah. choice. A thousand percent agreed. It, as opposed to like the other shenanigan horse shit that you're expecting. Well, I mean, a great horror movie is great because you can revisit it multiple times, even though you know it's. I mean, I've seen Halloween, I don't know, uh, like 30, 40 times. But I know it's going to happen, but still it's worth it for the tension and the drama, how close they come uh, or how Laurie comes to dying multiple times. And the same thing with this one, how close uh, everything comes to going a certain way and how brutal Lee Winnell is with some of the decisions of who lives and who dies in this movie. It is excellent. Uh, and so that's why I think it it earned its spot uh, for me. Um, all right. So what's your what's your number two, man? Uh, my deuce is uh, Rango. Oh. <laughs> All I right, man. I think it's pitch perfect. All right. Um, I'm not going to deny you that, man. That's a damn good movie. It's. I genuinely, I mean, rewatchability only gets beat by one other movie, my number one. Mm, okay. Uh, I've seen it 
a lot of times the nice thing is I know I'll keep seeing it. And uh, it's an animation where if I have friends that, that casually like movies and whatnot, they'll ask like, Oh, what, what, you know, what should I see that I haven't seen? And it's one of the few animations that I'm more than happy to say, you need to see that. Trust me, you'll like it. Yeah. Um, it I just works on so many different levels, but I, I love this almost meta Johnny Depp playing a character who's an actor and also same time a chameleon. And that actor has to blend into this surroundings and he creates a backstory for himself and just how they build. And they take these old, you know, West kind of stereotypes and yeah. make the manifest within uh, characters uh, and stupid little things like the rattlesnake is the gunslinger, but the mm-hmm. rattle is just a, you know, a, a revolver and it's just the barrel of that. That's his gun. But instead of having a ravel, it's just the clicking of that going around like this, just the small little things here and there. Oh, yeah. And all the, the people walking around that have lived there, they carry the weight of having experienced a Western frontier lifestyle with ragged clothes and their skin is just beaten up and leathery and their teeth are gross. And it's, it's something now that I can't unsee a friend of mine years ago. We were watching a Western. He's like, I'm out. And I was like, really? Already? He's like, everybody's teeth is too, are too nice. Yeah. I was like, shit. Now I judge a Western as to, Now, there are times where I don't care because it's like that's not the aesthetic that they're really going for. But others, when they're trying to do like a true gritty Western and somebody smiles and their teeth are all white and perfect, be like, no, I just I thought all the choices from point A to point B. And there's a great uh, documentary you can find on YouTube of they sequestered themselves uh, in a house up in the hills, all the animators. Mm. And they just they lived this project for months on end as they figured out all the characters and the story arc and had the voice actors come in and help bring it to life and whatnot as they're building this world out. I just think it's done so well from point A to point B. I don't disagree with you, man. It's fantastic. You're right. And and the spirit of the West scene is incredible too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Timothy Oliphant doing a fantastic job, essentially channeling Clint Eastwood. Um, And, you know, the different voiceover actors, they get to play the different animals and you're right. It's very, it's very much, a obviously it's obviously a western but very much puts you in the feeling of the and oh you almost forget that it's animated that's how good it is that you mm-hmm. get so caught up in the characters caught up in the in the reality of the design of these animals or these reptiles or these whatever they are all the different uh, types of species that are in the movie you get caught up so caught up in it that you you forget that you're watching animated animals in essence or or mammals or what have you doing these things and you just focus on the characters right um i think i rewatched a scene the a few days ago with him versus the that uh flying thing that's trying to get him and um oh the eagle yeah the eagle he fights he fights the two brothers then the eagle shows up or whatever and uh, uh all of that that happens with him there and him trying to still be the cool dude and whatever and all the journey he goes on because and listen for as good as the film is it's the voice acting that i mean johnny Depp plays the vulnerability of this guy so well you know Mm -hmm. he's a guy who just wants to he's he's always just not been good enough at anything he's ever done he's an actor but he knows he's a way low rung actor and in this briefest of moments he gets to 
experience what it's like to actually be the hero, to be the lead. Uh, and all of his characteristics come out both good and bad in this, in this uh, film. And it's great to watch his journey throughout and the voiceover work that Johnny does as he goes through his journey uh, in the film. It's just great stuff, man. Uh, that is my deuce. Yeah, uh, all right. My two is uh, get out. That came out in February. Oh yeah. Came out in February. I somehow missed that. That was a, uh... Wow. What year? 2017. That's how I have it in Wikipedia. Apparently walked right over that. Uh, Let's see. We'll fact check it against IMDb and see what IMDb says. Okay. I don't know how I missed something like that. Get out. Came out on February 24th of February. Yeah, great choice. All right, well, that would make my list. I can okay. bump stuff down. Okay. Um, so yeah, I I was uh, you know, what can you say about Get Out? I mean, it's just a once again, it's another horror film like I mentioned with The Invisible Man, uh, that is stellar, unique, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Jordan Peele finds the humor in this, finds the really uncomfortable humor in this, but also the terrible horror and drama of something like this because. It's just crazy enough to be believable. It's just crazy enough that you think people would actually do this. White uh, people of affluent means could do this. Mm-hmm. And the hypocrisy of the white liberal as well as exposed here a little bit. Oh, if, if I could, I would have voted yeah, for Obama three times if I could. It's just all of that because at the core of it, there is some at times a hypocrisy about how they deal uh, with uh, people of color and how they deal with black people in particular, like, yes, give them all their rights, but I don't want to live near them. You know, it's that yeah, kind exactly. of thing, you know? And so that is exposed here in such a brutal way. Plus the idea of like, you know, being able to hypnotize somebody or being able to put someone in a state where they would be essentially used, farmed out as a new form of slavery. And it's just like, what? And it's just mind blowing to think about uh, and explore, you know, and I'm not doing it justice. I'm sure there are other levels I could be highlighting here about the movie, but it's a great horror film, but it's also a fantastically brilliant oh, yeah. social conscience horror film uh, well, with great performances throughout. Yeah. And a discussion of cultural appropriation, just stealing from and then taking yeah. and taking and taking and giving nothing back and destroying their identity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, literally whitewashing them. Yep. Literally. Literally. It's like, yeah. what a great device to have that discussion. That's what hurt when Bradley Whitford said that. Yeah. I, I've had that thought. He's, <laughs> when he was leaving, I, I had that. I was like, he's the only president in my life where I would, I would have voted for, for a third term. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. And I still had my problems with it. No president is perfect, but I was like, right. I like having the smartest guy in the room. Uh, it makes a difference to me. You know, type of thing, and then when Bradley Whitford says that, it's like, oh, is that is that what I look like? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I don't walk around proudly proclaiming it to black people that I know. Uh, it's not who I am, but at the same time, uh, it's like, ah, shit, like, uh, you know, uh, I'm not part of the problem, but uh, I'm probably not helping. Type of thing. It was uh, a meme. Yeah, um, what but was yeah, the- just that the whole. I mean, as someone who has loved basketball 
and oh, yeah, right. rap and R&B and all that stuff. The idea of cultural appropriation uh, was like, it, it was resonant. Like, yes, their loss of identity. Uh, now I'm not technically part of the machine that is keeping them down, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm, I'm not, not part of it. Do you know what I right. mean? It's like, I'm not the one pulling the levers, but I do benefit from the outcomes of this. Yeah. That's uh, a, I was, I was having this comment. We just did an episode of Jedi way and we talked about inclusion and diversity in star Wars. And my co-host, Laura Kelly, who's just very smart about star Wars, knowledgeable, yeah, but she's, and she's also very aware of social issues and being socially conscious. And she said to me, she goes, nobody's going to care what a white woman has to say. Like I've said what I need to say. I don't think. And I said, actually, I would encourage you to look at it this way. If you're going to call out the need for more inclusion and more diversity, then yes, we need more white people uh, in, in on shows or whatever, calling it out, saying it should happen, and practicing it, putting it into practice. That's the key, and I I know you do that. So you speaking about it, you f- highlighting the need for it, I think it carries weight because sometimes when you hear people of color say it. It gets lo- for other people, other white people, or people yeah. might want to hear it. It gets lost in the ether because they just can go, "Oh, SJW, oh, socially conscious, oh, just like everybody else." Instead of hearing, and maybe sometimes they pause when a white person says, There's a "Dramatic lack of white guys on shows." I'm in agreement with this. <laughs> we need more think. white voices. She was saying on shows. Color. <laughs> I got you. I see what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That, I mean, the movie just it operates as a simple horror film, but then it, it's a discussion about all kinds of different things. Yeah. yeah. Is what, unfortunately, us suffers from you're expecting get out level yeah. Yeah. kind of discussion. Yeah. And it has some of that, but it's like, man, good get out was a, a perfect storm of all kinds. It was like the seven layer dip, and you like you could taste each layer on a yeah. chip pull. And you could tell that the public was ready for a movie like this and didn't know they were ready for a movie like yeah. this and consumed it. Like you said, to finish the whole dip in, in seconds and in minutes. Um, and I love the, the, I meant to, I, meant, I mentioned it, but the Bradley Whitford meme was like, I, I would have posted two black squares if I could. And I thought that meme was brilliant for the BLM stuff that happened uh, last year. Uh, all right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I think our number one might be the same. Maybe Matt, maybe I would assume so Go at ahead. this point. Deadpool? Yes, Deadpool. Yes, number one. Absolutely. Absolutely. A character that uh, I didn't read in comics. I've mm-hmm. only known about from people posting on Twitter and Imager and places like that, just like panels and whatnot. And uh, to see the bastardized version that we got before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You took away his best attribute and what makes him unique. Mm-hmm. And going into it knowing that Ryan Reynolds, this was his passion project for so long and devoted so much time and wanting to get it right. And, uh, just crushing it. I mean, I, I laughed in a superhero movie a couple of times, incredibly hard, (laughs) incredibly hard. And it still has great action and it's unique and original. And that's tough to do after we've seen every, you know, we've seen these people do everything Mm -hmm. and, Oh, just punching Colossus in the balls and breaking his hand and just fucking that whole scene. And then eventually what he cuts off his arm to get away because he can grow it back with like the little legs statement. They're all grossed oh. out by, <laughs> Oh, just, I, they, 
brought to life a character where now I wish I had grown up with him reading him in the comics. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love that. Yeah, Tim Miller, fantastic job directing this movie. And of course, him and Ryan Reynolds working together on to to create this and um just so excellent. Um and the ideas he has throughout, and I don't know, you know, you don't know what's Tim's, what's Ryan's, but the ideas they have throughout the movie to find the humor and the stakes of this movie are great. I mean, the fact that he has cancer and he's like desperate for a cure because he yeah. wants to not be a burden to his girlfriend. He, he loves you know, Miranda Baccarin, he loves her so much. He wants to stay around. He wants to stay alive. So he's willing to do anything to maybe find a way to reverse this thing or, or change this thing. And it turns him into, you know, this kind of fried crispy guy. Uh, and he, you know, does become the superhero oh. or hero. But the exchanges he has to wear the thing to cover that up. That oxygen tank thing. Oh. Right there. Just enough to live, but you're gasping for air the whole oh. time. What a great torture device. That is yeah. brutal. Like yeah. the human mind is disgusting. Yes. Yes, it really is. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, like you said, the stuff with Colossus is great, but the, the Miranda background stuff, I and you cannot talk about this movie. And I talk about that relationship. Oh, yeah. One of the best relationships ever in, in any Marvel movie. Any the movie, best, really. the best yeah. love story in any superhero film bar none. Yeah. There's nothing even comes close. Uh, they yeah, so each other from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, That's exactly. Cool. For who they were. Yep. Yep. Um, well, All there right. we go. Boom. Yep. That was done. Yeah. So why don't we compile and then we can do honorables? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Well, you've already gotten a couple of mine. Got the bongos right here. Uh, so, yeah. All yes. right. So, yeah. Deadpool, no yep. problem. Yeah. Um, in Bruges, you, you had where? Where would you put Get Out? Are you not? Are you going to adjust your list at all or no? Yeah, I would probably... Meh. Okay, we'll get out second. Oh, really? Okay. Right. I think I would bump it up to like five-ish. Okay. All right. All right. Somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. So two five. Okay. Beats in, in Bruges. You had where? Oh, I had it at uh, seven. All right. So it's three seven. Otherwise, Constantine is five. What? Uh, eight. Five eight. Black Panther's four. That's my ten. Okay, okay, okay. Technically, well, actually, Black Panther got bumped. Ooh, all right, by putting Get Out on there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess in Bruges next at three okay. seven. Okay. Um, I've got my two in Rango. Um, have, um, Constantine right. in common and Kingsman. That's it. What, what number are we at right now? This is number four. Okay. Yeah. Rango's right, fine. I could fight you, on, fight you on Rango. Do you want to do Constantine next? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do Constantine next. All right. What's your next highest then? Uh, my number three, which is the Invisible Man. All right. Invisible Man. What's your next highest? Uh, number four, Black Panther. Uh okay, I'll do Black Panther there. Then old school. Mm -hmm. That's my number four. Okay, and then we'll do Kingsman at number nine. Ooh. And what's your next highest then? My next highest is Passion of the Christ at number five. All right, Passion. Ooh, all right. All right. I don't know what we're officially going to call this, but I'll just say whatever I say. Sure. 
All right. The top 10 movies released in February since the year 2000. Yeah. At number 10. The Passion of the Christ. At number nine. Uh, Kingsman. At number eight. Old School. At number seven. Black Panther. At number six. The Invisible Man. At number five. Constantine. At number four. Rango. At number three. In Bruges. At number two. Get Out. And our number one movie released in February since the year 2000 is Deadpool. There you go. Have a chimichanga. Deadpool. I've been uh, a chimichanga in forever. Yeah, I don't really like chimichangas. Yeah. You're more of a burrito guy? A burrito, burrito. Yeah, I like burritos and tacos. Uh, <laughs> uh, he is still working on his spoonsmanship. Um, all right. So there you go. There's our lists uh, for the top 10 movies released this year. Of February. I'm sorry. There's our compile list. Uh, official top 10 movies released in February since the year 2000. You know, we're going to be going live on February 18th, ladies and gentlemen. A live mm-hmm. show. Sorry. Of the top 10. This, what we just did. You'll be able to witness uh, the creation of the list, the back and forth. You'll be able to chime in on the chat uh, and have your issues. And like, it's like you're yelling at us as we're doing the show in live time, looking at the chat for both of us to be able to see. So those are the experiences you're going to have February 18th for the $10 and above patrons. You will be able to experience us and watch us put a list like this together. So uh, get ready for that. And for those of you who are not at the $10 level, Get at the $10 level because if this goes well, this is something we might be doing twice a month. So you'll be able to watch us construct the show on Thursday and hear the show on Thursday. And everyone else who's not a $10 and above patron will listen to it the following Tuesday. But you get dibs on listening to it and watching us create it uh, yep. a couple of times a month. Pretty great stuff, Matt. Yeah, the 18th is a dry run for you know amping it up and doing it potentially a couple times a month yeah. and then as you're hearing this two days later we're going to do a live final for the golden ticket so tune in that'll be over at youtube.com forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10 um and at 2 p.m pacific standard time so we're going live with that to see who ends up uh being a guest on the show and see whatever their topic is um we're both looking forward to that yep. and uh what else you got on your honorables you already you oh, just yeah. had a few of mine okay uh yeah, I've got Boiler Room, yep. uh Wonder Boys, okay. uh Hannibal. Uh really? Do- okay. Yeah, yeah, I like Hannibal. Uh Dark Blue. It's an awesome Kurt Russell film about the uh, sure. LA riots in ninety-two. Shanghai Nights. I don't remember. Is that the sequel or is that the That's first the sequel? Oh, right, first one. Uh, never Shanghai mind. Shanghai the first one. Yeah, let me, I'll leave Shanghai Nights up. Old school was on mine. Fifty first dates is on mine. Yep. Uh, the adjustment bureau, which I think is a criminally oh. underappreciated Matt Damon film. Oh, so bored. Oh, you're insane. Coriolanus, which is a fantastic Shakespeare good. movie with Gerard Butler and Ray Fiennes. Chronicle. Yep. Uh, Safe House. Okay. Um, the Lego Batman movie, which I love to yep. pieces. I got. I that. had. I had Annihilation. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. A lot of people love that movie uh, from a couple years ago. And the documentary I'm talking about is uh, I Am Not Your Negro, uh, Mm. which is the uh, William Baldwin documentary came out in. uh, I'm sorry, not William Baldwin. What am I saying? The uh, the um, uh, yeah, is it William? Is it Jesus? I feel bad now. I can't remember. Uh, I know the doc, but I yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. I I watched the documentary 
I remember watching it in the Valley with my friend Shannon, and I just absolutely lost my mind at how great this documentary is. James Baldwin, sorry, James Baldwin and his writings, his his thoughts, his perspective on the world of race relations through the '60s into the time uh, uh, into uh, you know the last uh, writings or recordings that he had about it. Just a brilliant, brilliant film overall. And I I struggled really hard to not to try to find a way to put it on. But in the end, it was like, uh, it is what it was. And he passed away in 1987. Yeah. But if you haven't read James Baldwin's stuff, can't encourage you enough. Uh, it's an interestingly brilliant and way ahead of its time perspective on race relations in this country during a time when, you know, Malcolm was around, uh, uh, Martin Luther King was around. So, so many of the other members of the civil rights movement were around and speaking here was James Baldwin writing about it and talking about it and, um, you know, getting in, involved in it on so many levels uh, as well. So just a, a little uh, FYI there about that movie. If you haven't seen it, uh, Raul Peck directed it. So, all right, that's uh, those are mine. What are yours? What are some other yours? Um, all right. So I had a number of those. I'll just throw okay. in the ones that, that, that you didn't bring up. Uh, okay. I liked Eddie the Eagle. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, the Voices. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. The Crazies, oh, yeah, it's a horror with Oliphant. I like that movie. Okay. Uh, the Ghost Rider, semi pro. Ghost Rider? Uh, you mean like you mean like the Nicolas Cage one? Well, no, Ghost Writer. Oh, Writer. Oh, sorry, sorry. The one with Ewan McGregor, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, Ewan yeah. McGregor and Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, let's see what else. Uh, definitely, maybe Running Scared. Yeah, Super Troopers. Boiler Room was the one where I was like, oh, wow, we've never talked about Boiler Room. I know, just, I know. You see all these others, you're like, oh, I'm sorry, Boiler Room. Uh, <laughs> but everything else you already brought up, too. I had pretty much all those. Right on. Um, all right. Well, there's this episode of the Top 10 Show. Thank you all so much for listening or watching us. You know, for those of you who listen to us on the podcast feed, maybe you don't know, we have a YouTube channel. We've mentioned it already a couple times, the address. So you can watch us live. But you can watch all our shows there in our pretty faces talking about movies or talking about your topics on Topic Thunder all and the Golden Ticket all there mm-hmm. on our YouTube channel for sure. So go and get involved there if you haven't subscribed to there. And give us some likes and comments on those videos as well. Uh, Matt, where can they find you and everything going on or any final words you got, brother? Uh, please uh, follow me at Matt Nost. Uh, check out Settle the Score. And if you're into basketball, I do drop in dimes every week at Wednesday at noon. And... Uh, uh, yeah, echo everything John said. We look forward to seeing you guys at the live Golden Ticket finale. And on February 18th, please join us if you're patrons uh, over there at the $10 and up uh, tier. And uh, hit up our uh, follow our Instagram uh, at the top 10 uh, podcast with the number 10. And it's the same URL as the YouTube channel as well at uh, youtube.com forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10. There you go. All right. You can follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. And of course I've got my YouTube channel as well. YouTube.com slash John Roca says just crossed 15,000 subscribers. So thank you all so much and let's keep going. So come aboard and see all the stuff I've got there. Entertainment, uh, uh, sports, uh, professional wrestling, politics. It's all there. The geek buddies, all of it is there for you to enjoy if you want. So, all right. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the top 10 show. Ooh.